athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. It's another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a whole lot to get to on today's program, a whole lot to talk about. As a matter of fact, the NBA Finals underway, and I have all the respect in the world for the Miami Heat. I've been talking about this from week to week. I think the job Eric Spolster has done has been absolutely remarkable. Coming into this series, I would have said, I thought was the Heat destiny to win the NBA championship. But when you're beset by injury, that that doesn't help. And by the way, really, I think where they lost this, are going to lose, ultimately lose the series. They're going to go back. They're going to look at game one when they had the lead early. He had that lead early, couldn't hold on. The Lakers made a run, and then things went downhill. They, not only were the Lakers playing extremely well, uh, you talk about Anthony Davis in excess of 30. You talk about Green was knocking down some shots, looking like he was back in the day with the Spurs. You got championship guys, Rondo, LeBron, but it's hard when you're the Heat. You don't have that kind of championship pedigree or those kind of players that have played in the championship. And, by the way, not only losing the lead, but then also players beginning to go down with injury. It's going to be a tough up. You know, I just don't see, I just don't see how the Heat are going to be able to win this series. And again, I would have said coming in that I would have given it to the Heat or would have said the Heat would win the series in seven games because I think the Heat was destined, especially when you look at what the Heat was able to do throughout the course of uh, not only the season in the bubble, but the Eastern Conference playoffs. So, but, but you know, I have another question as it relates to the NBA. And it seems like the NBA has done a lot of things right. You look at the bubble situation. I mean, I don't remember us hearing about anyone in the bubble, at least player-wise, that contracted the coronavirus. So you look at what the NBA was able to do with the bubble, I think was absolutely phenomenal. Um, We had some guys that really stepped up. We had some emerging stars, some young players. We had, you know, we, we have the Heat. Uh, We had the Denver Nuggets gave us some exciting games coming back 
from 3-1 down on multiple occasions. But I would ask this now of the NBA. Why in the world would the NBA play its games on a Sunday against up against the National Football League? Like, if you go back to last week and you go back to the NBA game that took place on Sunday, I believe it was the Lakers and Denver, I believe. It may be, I can't remember which, which game it was. It could have been Miami uh, and the Celtics. Either way, it may have been Miami and the Celtics. Either way, you played that game on a Sunday up against the National Football League who is on network, te- who's a network television. Network television is going to trump cable television every day of the week and twice on Sunday because many more households have network. Like network television is free. Cable, satellite are paid for. You still have a lot of people and especially a lot of younger people in the mindset of trying to save money. A lot of the millennials, so they're going to, you know, nickel and dime. So when you, and especially that you have those digital boxes now that have some of the digital channels on the low for the local TV stations, you know, so you're going up against that. And then because the game is on ESPN and then you have the Sunday night football game that's on NBC and that's getting a six share. Meanwhile, while the NBA game, right, is getting an in excess of one, it's leading in terms of all cable television shows, it's like it's getting like a one and a half share up against the NFL, which is getting like in excess of a six and a half share. So if I'm the NBA, they've had all kinds of time to plan this. I mean, I would, I mean, I, I, for me, I would go up against college football before I went up against the NBA. Now, with respect to college football, I think you're going to lose. You know, you're not going to get as many viewers that would ordinarily watch college football, especially those. I think maybe I think they're still having some of the games that are going to be on that are on network television as well. So you still sort of lose out from that perspective. But it's two different games. It's 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 again college sports and pro sports. So I would be more apt to put my NBA game up on a Saturday night. So why not go? Start the series, go Thursday, Saturday. I wouldn't even go on Monday, up against Monday Night Football. I'd go back to Tuesday. So I'd go Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, and do it that way so I'm not up against the National Football League. Even even with the NBA games being on a Friday night, like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's cool. And from a sports perspective and from a cable perspective, I mean, you're going to – and I guess it's okay now because we're in the COVID-19. So it's not like before when on a Friday night you'd be out. A lot of people would be out not watching TV anyway. But if I'm the NBA, I'm going Tuesday. I'm going – I start the series Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday. Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. If I need to go seven games, I don't want to go up against the NBA uh, or the NFL – and uh, against that, I mean, that's just a ratings monster, and especially with the game that you had uh, on Sunday night. But NBA's doing it the NBA's way, and so ultimately uh, they're, they're losing. Uh, the, the numbers are down. Like, the numbers are down in terms of people watching these NBA finals 
but uh, but again, I mean, I you know, I, I I just don't I just don't understand why the NBA would want to go up against the NFL. Plenty of time to really map this thing out. Again, when you remember the protests, the NBA uh, teams decided, the players decided not to play um, uh, for a moment. Going back uh, to last month, the NBA adjusted the schedule. So it wasn't like it had to be set in stone. You couldn't uh, uh, adjust it. Maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was, but I just don't. I mean, but that's something you should have looked at in advance, uh, even before the regular season resumed, and know uh, because generally they the games would have been played in June, and the NBA, and the games not only would it uh, well they would have been played in June, and then also uh, they wouldn't have been going up obviously against the National Football League. But I mean, you know, even yeah, again. Uh, now that the games are on network television on ABC, I mean, I think it makes a little bit uh, of a of a difference. But I'm still not going up head up. I mean, and, and and again, to the point, cable last week, network television coming up on Sunday. I get it. Still, I'm not going up against the National Football League. Any in any way, that was just sort of a rant I went on and something I thought about. But boy, I I just don't know that the Heat going to be able to come back against these Lakers. So much to get to on today's program. The Tuesday night presidential debate was anything but presidential, something that we must talk about. And I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it from now until our last show prior to Tuesday, November 3rd, Election Day. Vote, vote, vote. And, And by the way, there's supposed to be there, there were there are going to be two more debates like nah I I mean listen I I I think it's good I think it's good uh, I think it's good television uh, I I I you know I'm I, I as a matter of fact in the beginning of the debate I was sort of the first question and I thought Chris Wallace did a fairly decent job I mean we know how the president is and I think for the most part. He stood up to the president as the moderator as much as you possibly could, right? So I thought he did a fairly decent job. I mean, I was almost ready to go to sleep the first question when it began, but the fireworks started, and it was—I mean, it—it—it it, 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 you know, it, it was an a really a bad spectacle. Um, but let let's be clear about this thing. We can say it was a bad, uh, it was a, a terrible debate, and all of those kind of things, which it was. But let's put the blame on where it mostly needs to be put on, and that is on the President of the United States. Joe Biden, no question about it, had his moments when he was out of line, when he over-talked, when he spoke, when he should not have. But mostly this was behind the President. And by the way, uh, didn't really, uh, you know, Asked the president point blank about would he denounce white supremacy, and he ultimately did not. Not going to get into politics too much, but that's a that was a big topic, obviously this week. So something we definitely needed to speak about. We're going to continue with things here on the program. So glad you've joined us, especially to our great listeners that listen to us on Big Game Christian Sports Network out of Dallas. Thank you for making the program a part of your day. We're going to step aside, take a break, 
come back with more. We've got the Titans and the Steelers game to talk about, which has been postponed due to COVID-19. We're back with more after this. Hey, what happened to all the Marjorie's beef jerky? Hey, what's up, bro? It was you, wasn't it? What was? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You ate all the Marjorie's beef jerky, didn't you? Yeah, so what? That was mine. Dad just bought that for me yesterday. Don't worry, I'll just go online and buy some more. No big deal. Wait, you can just go online and buy more? Well, in that case, I'm going to buy the original orange teriyaki and sweet and spicy. But I do expect you to pay me back for all that beef jerky you ate. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Steelers linebacker Devin Bush Jr. Your father, Devin Bush, won a Super Bowl with the Rams. I know you don't remember that, but I'm sure he tells you plenty of stories about that. He has a Mercedes Benz to show off for it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what kind of advice has he given you? Yeah, um, the biggest thing he, he always preaches me is, you know, you, you never get the time back and how fast it would have formed and how, how much fun he had and how, you know, it was, it was a dream come true for him and how he's... He's just let me know uh, the things to expect and how to go about your business and, you know, just having fun with it. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on the program. If you want to participate, hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two. R-O-W on my personal Twitter account at Dware one at Dware one or on my personal Instagram account at where Donald in the last segment talking some NBA and again I just feel like the NBA going up against and not that it's trying to compete I just feel like listen if you're the NBA stay away from games on Sunday, I thought it should have been a situation where the NBA started the series or the NBA finals Thursday, go Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday. Stay away from Sunday. Stay away from Monday night football because, I mean, in the ratings, the NBA finals, uh, uh, well, well, going back on Sunday when you either, I couldn't remember if the Eastern Conference finals or uh, or the Western Conference Finals. Either way, it was the wrap-up game. And and even the week before, when the NBA went up, head up with the NFL, like the, there was a day game. As a matter of fact, I think what the Heat were playing was a day game. Like I didn't even watch the game. Like I was so into the National Football League, which a lot 
of people are. And I get it. You have some fans that are that are NBA fans, some that are NFL. But I would venture to say, I mean, I'm not going to say the majority of the fans are both, but I mean, I'm, there's some great overlap there, some great overlap. It's not like we're talking about NBA and Major League Baseball or NFL and Major League Baseball. I mean, we're talking about uh, the NBA and the NFL, the two most popular sports. So why the uh, NBA decides to go head up with the NBA when all they have to do is change the schedule. Maybe there's something I don't know. Like maybe there's a reason for that uh, they do it. But anyway, uh, it is what it is. So we talked about that. If you want to jump in on that, uh, hit us up via Twitter uh, or uh, Facebook as well. So the National Football League and we have a cancel or, or a postponement, a postponement, not a cancellation of the game between the Steelers and the Titans. The Titans had three players that uh, contracted uh, the coronavirus and a couple of staff members as well. And I just hope that this is something that is going to be contained. I mean, if you look at the first uh, three weeks or so of the National Football League, Hadn't heard a lot about me. I think we had a scare with maybe the Vikings. I think it was. There was a scare with the Vikings, but it turned out to be nothing much. And while the NFL is not in a bubble situation, uh, it, it, it uh, I think the players have done a fairly good job of protecting themselves outside of the facility, outside of the games, outside of practice, because my main concern and I mean, listen, I still have a concern for college football. I know that the SEC got underway last week. Uh, I, we, obviously, the Pac-12 is going to get things popping again. As a matter of fact, they're, all of the FBS conferences are ready to rock and roll. You have a few FCS schools that are playing games here and there. They're playing those money games. I know Campbell, which is right up the road from us, uh, Campbell – is played will has or will play three or four football games all against FBS opponents, and matter of fact, played uh, I guess with App State I think last week or maybe the week before that. So you have a few FCS programs that are playing some games. The majority of the FCS looks like it's going to get back started going uh, the uh, in in the spring, and we'll see how that plays out. Like I my, the thing the only thing that could be different. And now I'm talking about with respect to college football uh, because the, the the NFL is underway. We're almost a quarter of the way through the season and we haven't had a lot of talk about COVID-19, although we do, do have the postponement of the Titans and the Steelers. And so we'll see if, there's, or if there are more cases and hopefully there are not. And when you're, you know, again, when you're talking about professional sports, it's a lot different, more money, more testing, just more of everything to be more precautionary opposed to college where you don't have necessarily the reason you don't have the resources that professional sports has. But with respect to college football and I mean, I, you know, we're talking about the spring and trying to resume things in the spring, which is fine. But what's going to be the difference between where we are now and once the springtime comes? I guess we'll see because, I mean, 
when you look at it, there's a difference between when COVID first started to to even two or three months after that to where we are now. I mean, one of two things has to happen, I think, for I mean, and I think if you're FCS, I think you you really because the money is not there and in, in, in the main reason. And, and again, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that you you're putting these young men in danger uh, because of the money aspect of this. Now, are the cases low? I guess, you know, I guess for the most part, like we haven't heard about a lot of outbreaks. Sure. There have been games that have been postponed and there have been certain uh, programs that have, uh, have had cases, but all in all, and again, we're, we, we haven't really gotten the season started with the sec only got started last week. Uh, and then you also look uh, at the, the PAC 12 upcoming, uh, the Big Ten as well. But again, what's going to change between now and the spring for FCS? And, you know, my thought is, and, and, and you know, I, again, I'm, I'm against it. Like, I'm against it. I'm, 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 but I'm going to be there. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. You know, I'll be there. Don't get me wrong. I'm, but it's like, you know, you're putting these young men's lives at risk. I mean, it's, you know, we're treating, it's almost like we're treating coronavirus like the common cold. Now, if we look across the board, the majority of of athletes uh, in all sports that have 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 had coronavirus, I don't, I don't think I can remember there was a young man um, at App State here in North Carolina, it was on the basketball team, that passed away from COVID-19. I didn't get all of the details in terms of was there practice, you know, exactly what happened. But, I mean, I haven't, I don't know, and, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know that I've heard of any deaths as it relates to uh, collegiately uh, and certainly in, I mean, in pro sports and more specifically in football uh, in, in, in the NFL, because there were no cases in the NBA, we, we definitely would have heard something about it. But one of two things has to change. Either there has to be a vaccine. You can talk about testing all day. We can talk about the, the, the volume of testing, continuance of testing. That doesn't prevent coronavirus and by the way you could test negative and possibly still be a carrier asymptomatic but either you need it you need to have a there needs to be a a cure for coronavirus for COVID-19 a vaccine or we need to mitigate the spread in other words the numbers need to be a lot lower if you have numbers that are a lot lower then more of a even without a vaccine more of a case can be made for playing I think collegiate sports I think you know hopefully like even here in the state of North Carolina we've gone now from phase we were in phase what was called we went from phase two to phase 2.5 which 2.5 was an intermediary between phase two and phase three uh, at, at Friday at 5 p.m. here in the state of North Carolina, we were in phase three, which meant, you know, a lot more of the business. It, it was a lot less of, uh, of 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 mandates in terms of where 
you can and can't go. Bars could be reopened, but even in our state, like bars can only be opened at 7% capacity. Uh, athletic events only at 7% capacity. So like the Carolina Panthers playing at home, the capacity is, I don't know what what uh, what the stadium holds there in Charlotte. If it's 70,000, 80,000, 7% of that, you look at the the schools that are playing in the state, the bigger schools, the NC states, the Carolinas, the Dukes, the ECUs, et cetera, et cetera, seven um, percent capacity. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, people. I mean, I think the bottom line is, if we continue to be responsible, continue to wear masks, continue to physical distance. I know we call it social distancing. Uh, and that's okay. But if we continue to physical distance, like if I'm in a location and not only am I wearing a mask, but I'm physical distancing as well. Like I'm doing both, you know, I mean, I don't want to catch this. I don't know. I don't want to know what it's like to have Corona, but like, I don't want to know what that feels like at all. Uh, so with that being said, uh, hopefully if at least the numbers can go down then, you know, maybe you can, because again, you got to be able to have some kind of vaccine. Uh, pr- again, pro pro football, if they're playing a little bit more responsible, that's fine. We've seen, we've only seen a handful, at least since we've been playing. Now, I know even before that, there were some cases of coronavirus in buildings of some of the NFL teams, but you have a situation since now we're going into week four. What we've what we're hearing about now is the Titans, and that's all at least that we're hearing about at this current moment. So hopefully it, it won't be something that continues to spread like what happened uh, in Major League Baseball, especially once Major League Baseball came back early on. Now it's sort of we haven't heard a lot more recently, and now of course uh, MLB is in playoff mode. So hopefully this will be an isolated incident as it relates to the National Football League and the Tennessee Titans. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on the program. Had a chance last week uh, for our listeners on SiriusXM channel 141 HR voices to catch up with George Lombard. He's the first base coach for the LA Dodgers. And I'll tell you what fascinating conversation. His mother, a former civil rights um, part of the civil rights movement. You're not going to want to hear miss that interview. That's a little bit later on, but up next here on the program, my predictions for week four of the national football league. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard. Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, 
black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I've grown in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression. And that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen. And people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult. And I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Akilah memory out their head, but realizing Akilah also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to be typecasted as just the sweet hosting girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from David to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I. It's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man, we gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN college sports analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was um, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned thirty. And it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. And there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our uh, offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm just trying my best to find the open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've run the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still Beauty Football League has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have gone to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, after I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, so and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would follow it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? University. <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com that's from the press box to press row real relevant radio let's move on to the national football league here on the program and my week four predictions in week three had more right than wrong right at about 57 percent that that seahawks and cowboys game was absolutely phenomenal and would win. You know, it's hard when you're not trying to pick against the Washington football team. And I, I've told you guys that I'm not going to pick against the Washington football team. However, for week four, we'll see if that, in fact, plays out. Of course, things kicked off with the Broncos and the Jets on Thursday. Sunday, the Saints going to be at the Lions. Lions coming off that win against the Cardinals, their first of the season. Meanwhile, the Saints struggling a little bit, coming off the loss against the Packers. No shame in losing to the Packers. At the end of the day, Drew Brees not as sharp. You know, we'll see. Michael Thomas, what is he going to – is he going to play? Is he not going to play? What is he going uh, to look like? That's going to be a key. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm apt to go with the Lions at home in this one in a bit of an upset with the Saints struggling a little bit. I know they they're, they they need to fix it and fix it quick, but I'm going to go with a bit of an upset in this one. I'm going to go with the Lions, the Buccaneers, and the Chargers. Buccaneers starting to play well, lost their first game. Tom Brady and company trying to sort of uh, piece things together, get that continuity. You've seen it the last couple of weeks, and the Chargers coming off a bad loss to the Panthers. Um, again, I, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers in this game. The Bengals and the Jaguars. I'll tell you what, the Bengals are due for a win. Okay, 0-2-1 coming off the tie against the Eagles. I think that that showed some progress. You look at the play of Joe Burrow through three games, no preseason. He's looking pretty good. Meanwhile, you look at the Jaguars, I mean, and you and you think, what's going on? I mean, we knew that it was going to be a struggle with the Jaguars, but that opening see or open opening season win against Indianapolis, and it hasn't looked good for the Jaguars since, especially coming off a bad loss to Miami. Bengals are due. Burrow's playing well. I'm going with the Bengals in Cincinnati. The Vikings and the Texans. Boy. I tell you what, the Kirk Cousins is an absolute train wreck. Another bad game. And the Vikings, 
uh, not playing well. I mean, I thought at least from a defensive perspective, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy, and the Vikings aren't playing well defensively either. Meanwhile, the Texans are struggling as well. But I think the Texans are due a tough loss against the Steelers. The Steelers are a really good football team. Deshaun Watson and company due for a win. I've got the Texans over the Vikings. That game is going to be in Houston. The Seahawks and the Dolphins. Again, I can't say it enough. Russell Wilson is playing unbelievable. And you can't say enough either. And I, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not. Do you know or did you know that Russell Wilson has never received a single MVP vote. Now, when you look at the totality of the career of Russell Wilson and, you know, he's, he's when I think about Russell Wilson and what he's been able to accomplish since he's been in the league, like if you look at it in totality, uh, the, the Seahawks winning a Super Bowl, uh, the Seahawks should have won another Super Bowl going back a couple of years ago. I think the arrogance of Pete Carroll prevented the Seahawks from winning the Super Bowl against uh, the Patriots going back some years ago. And then you look at what Russell Wilson was able to do last year virtually with not much offensively. He's got a a lot more receivers. He's got some good receivers right now. That's a good offense. It's a good team. That's a Super Bowl contending team as far as I'm concerned. Meanwhile, yeah, I realize the Dolphins coming off uh, the victory Uh, over the Jaguars, but they're running up against the Seahawks this time. I got the Seahawks in that game in Miami. The Browns and the Cowboys. So the Browns coming off a win against the Washington football team. I I mean, I didn't think the Browns, to be honest with you, looked particularly good. I mean, that's that's a Washington football team defense. That's, I mean, it's okay. You're gonna run up against a Cowboys team. However, that's really not playing, I think, up to its capability, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football um, coming off that loss. I mean, they went tit for tat. That was a good game against the Seahawks. I mean, I'm not, you know, the Browns are okay defensively. I mean, they got, you know, a decent pass rush. I mean, I wasn't ultimately or ultra impressed with the Browns at all, having a chance to see them play really a whole game, really for the, for the probably for the first time um, since, uh, Baker Mayfield has been the quarterback there, and, and since he's had all of those weapons, Odell Beckham, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going with the Cowboys in Dallas. Cardinals and the Panthers. Wow, the Panthers coming off a victory over San Diego. Again, no Christian McCaffrey. Teddy Bridgewater going to have to, I think, step up his game a little bit. Meanwhile, you look at the Cardinals coming off you know, coming off that loss, I mean, they, they they looked like world beaters against the Washington football team. Kyler Murray looked absolutely phenomenal. You're going back a couple of weeks ago, but you got to remember, it's the Washington football team. And so, every, I mean, really, uh, uh, that team makes a lot of teams look better than they are. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Panthers in this game. I think the Panthers, Matt Rule is putting something together. I talked about this Uh, being more of a rebuilding year, which it is. But I think the Panthers coming off that momentum with their victory on last week, I've got the Panthers in that game. The Bears and the Colts. Wow. Uh, Tariq Cohen, former A&T star, out for the season with a torn ACL. But again, you know, to me, I mean, he's, you know, been good, obviously, in the return game, in the punt return game, but not using him enough for me. But 
the Bears with a big victory. Remember, down 26-10 to 10 last week against the Falcons coming back to win that football game. Nick Foles in relief of Trubisky. He's going to be your guy moving forward. If you look at Nick Foles over the course of his career, let's look at him. He has to be in the right system. If he's in the right system, he's going to have success. Let's look at him throughout the course of his career. Remember, you go back when he uh, came in for Mike Vick going some uh, going some years back now, um, played well, and then ultimately had a season where, what, 27 touchdowns to only two interceptions, something like that. Um, he gets bounced around. He goes to the Rams. He struggles because, you know, he's under Fisher's system. And, you know, guys struggled under Fisher. Uh, quite frankly, he uh, moves on or moves back to the Eagles. Looks, Look what happens a couple of years ago. Uh, comes in for Carson Wentz when Wentz went down. Ultimately leads that team to the Super Bowl victory and was named MVP. Went to the Jaguars. It just didn't work out. Goes to the Bears. Comes in relief leading that Bears team back to a victory. Meanwhile, the Colts. You know, Phillip Rivers and company seem to have it going offensively. The Maniac uh, and Darius Leonard and company defensively are solid. I'm going to go with the Colts. The Colts have been a little bit more consistent. Um, I think Nick Foles, while a quality, no question, NFL quarterback, the, the Colts have some tape from the previous week. And again, he had, didn't really play that well last year, meaning Nick Foles. So I think uh, at least for the time being, I'm not going to say Foles takes a step back, but I think the Colts are going to be more prepared. And I have the Colts in that game. That game is in Chicago. The Washington football team and the Ravens. The battle for uh, the Baltimore-Washington or the battle of the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. The Ravens, boy, coming off a, a tough loss on Monday Night Football. I actually picked the Ravens in a bit of a mild upset. That was a dominating performance. I mean, even if the score indicated that the game may have been a little bit closer, it wasn't. That was a dominating performance by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, can the Ravens bounce back? Well, of course the answer is yes. Um, the Washington football team struggled Obviously, last week, uh, first win against the Eagles, then struggled against the Cardinals the week after that, then struggled last week against the Browns. Dwayne Haskins, really very inconsistent. He doesn't. He only has Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver, that wide receiver core, which was good and young last year. Not so much this year. I think one of the things that the Washington football team did better against the Browns was to establish the run game. And that the, the Washington football team is going to have to do that against the Ravens. The Ravens have a more than solid defense. Is this a bounce-back game for Lamar Jackson, who struggled against the Chiefs? But give the Chiefs credit, they played outstanding defensively. Hate to do it. Said I would not go against the Washington football team. I guess I really meant that more in terms of Closer games. I mean, I think the Ravens bounce back in this game in Washington. I've got Baltimore. The Giants and the Rams. Giants continue to struggle. Giants are 0-4. Giants, perhaps the worst team in the National Football League. Meanwhile, the Rams are coming off the loss to the Bills. But, I mean, the Bills are a really good football team, 3-0 and right now. And the Rams came back in that game to take the lead ultimately to lose it late. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the Giants are just poor. I've got the Rams in L.A. Chiefs and the Patriots. What a game that's going to be. Um, you know, Cam, 
Cam Newton, you know, he was he was solid. I mean, the Patriots came away with the victory uh, last Sunday. Cam Newton was solid. This is a Chiefs team that just looks so good. Coming off the big victory over, obviously, the Ravens. I don't want to say, I mean, could there be a bit of a letdown? I mean, I don't think there's going to be a letdown. But you got to know that Bill Belichick is going to be prepared to come ready to play the Chiefs, the defending champs. You know, I'm going to go with a bit of a mild upset, and I'm going to go with the Patriots in this game. I think when I look at Cam Newton and the way that he's playing, like I know the I know it, you know the numbers weren't great last week, but if you look at it, was one pass that he tried to get it to Edelman, and it was just like he threw it. It was like three defenders, and it sort of went off Edelman's helmet. But I mean, the pass was so good. I mean, I like the way Cam is playing. The numbers may not dictate, but the Patriots won. I'm going to go with the Patriots in this football game. Bills and the Raiders. Boy, the Bills are playing so well right now. Um, you know, the Raiders coming off the loss last week, they're still trying to build something. I think the Bills, I mean, I just think when I look at the play of Josh Allen, I mean, that Bills team is really good. I got the Bills in Las Vegas. Eagles and the 49ers. Game is going to be played at the uh, at the 49ers uh, in the Bay Area. The Eagles, again, coming off the tie against the Bengals. The 49ers, I mean, will Jimmy Garoppolo play George Kittle? Could he come back? Um, I think the Eagles are really struggling right now, struggling to get it done with Carson Wentz. I like the 49ers in that game. That's the Sunday night game. Then, to round things off, Monday night football, the Falcons going to be at the Packers. Falcons, back-to-back leads and losing Okay, it, it, and this is a team that, you know, supposed to, it has some talent, supposed to be a different season, wide receivers. Matt Ryan is actually playing, you know, pretty decent. The Packers right now behind Aaron Rodgers, and again, you saw the victory by the Packers uh, on Monday night uh, over the Saints. I just, you know, again, this, you know, I talk about Seattle. This is a, maybe a team that can go to the Super Bowl. I like when you look at, um, the the head coach, and then you look at Aaron Rodgers, they're on the same page in Green Bay. That's a good-looking Green Bay team not going to lose to the struggling Falcons in Green Bay on Monday night. Your thoughts, again, I, I went, uh, well, it wasn't quite 57% because I forgot we had the tie, So, but it was over 50% that I went on last week's picks. Your thoughts, hit me up. Via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. You can also hit me up on my personal Twitter account at DWare1, at DWare1, or my personal Instagram account at Where Donald. Up next here on Box to Row, a conversation with the first pace coach of the LA Dodgers. George Lombard, a fascinating conversation you won't want to miss. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train. With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip, the neighborhood original. 
Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Missed any of our shows? How about our interview with top sports and entertainment figures? Check out Radio Boss, Radio Boss Podcast at radio-boss.com. It's Donald Ware. George Lombard is the first base coach for the L.A. Dodgers and had a chance to catch up with him recently and talk he's you know he's on a meteoric rise he's got an opportunity sooner than later to be a manager talk with him about that and also talk with him he's got a fascinating story his mother who is white or is or was part of the civil rights movement and he talked a lot about that that is a big part of his story George Lombard here on the program the things that have happened to me over the past, I'd say, four months since the, or five months since the COVID uh, kind of kind of stepped into uh, all of our lives. But I really wanted to. Uh, I'm changing the subject here just to hear, just to kind of tell you sure. the the path of how it happened. But I, I wanted to become a better speaker. While I knew I was going to be at home for a few months with my family, and uh, I got to learn to tell my story. I was working with a guy named Lucas Jaden, who was is fabulous. Has done a couple books and and telling the story you can't tell my story without telling my mom's story so here here it is uh i used to think my my background was so uh so normal and then now i'm, I'm 45 years old i've, I've realized that it, it was anything but normal we uh grew up in the south from a, a biracial family i have an older brother younger sister and um my mom uh, you know from a, a privileged white family in boston where my my grandfather was the, the dean of harvard for 40 years chose the path of moving south and, and getting involved in civil rights because she wanted to make a, make a difference. And we, we hear this phrase all the time, don't talk about it, be about it. Well, my mom was about it. And she, she was uh, right in the, the mix with, uh, with John Lewis. She was friends with John Lewis and, and Andrew Young. Andrew Young was the one that delivered the, the eulogy at my mom's, uh, uh, I guess, service of life. Um, um, so these were the, the crowds that we hung out with as child. Uh, as a child and, and grew up with and and I really never dug into it uh you know after after you lose a a parent at 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 10 years old a lot of things shut down and I didn't realize until I started working on this whole speaking that that I, how emotional it was and how much stuff I've left uh, kind of locked inside of me and it's been a very emotional ride and and talking about it since the Breonna Taylor and the the George Floyd incident but um I, you know I felt guilty in a way that I haven't done enough so trying to use my platform with the Dodgers here, here's an organization on the, on the forefront, you know, bringing Jackie Robinson into baseball and, and it's a great platform. And, and just when you think, uh, you know, something doesn't matter, well, it does. So I, I've started telling this story about my mom and, and realized it's really impacted a lot of people and every little thing that we do, uh, even the platform that you have with your, with your radio station just reaches thousands of people. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging myself to get out there and do more and, uh, and trying to get our players and the rest of our staff to, to make a difference in this, in this crazy world that we're living in. 
No, it, it's very well said. And, and of course, as you mentioned, you were 10 years old when she, you know, tragically passed away. What are you what do you remember? Maybe I don't know if you remember a lot about her growing up or or maybe better yet. What are you learning or what have you learned uh, more so over the last, I guess, uh, 34, 35 years or so since her passing? Well, you, you hear so many stories. Every Almost everyone I've talked to recently that either I knew or did not know that knew my mom, it's almost instant tears when her name, when her name comes up. And uh, the words that come up are just kindness, uh, courageous. I mean, here's, here's a woman that, that didn't have to do any of these things, could have lived this life that, was kinda, that she was born into, but took a different path. And when, when she moved to Atlanta, she handpicked the neighborhood uh straight inner city she was the only white woman in some of these neighborhoods and then we moved to 2275 Rhine Hill Road in southeast Atlanta and had a little farm and but she wanted to be in the community she the, you know, the reason she went to to Montgomery and Selma was to help with voters rights and teaching uh the minority kids and adults there how to vote and how to get registered to vote and she was doing the freedom rides and uh you know i just learned from uh this this past story that her name's on a plaque in natchez mississippi where she was one of the uh the you know 480 people that were arrested uh protesting uh for voting rights and um if you haven't had a chance to see it i highly recommend going on the the espn piece that the feature story that chris Conley put together and there there was footage that we had never seen there's there's a black and white footage of her marching uh, and stuff that my brother and sister and I never saw and, uh, you know, how deep she, she was deeply, she was involved that, that we were just unaware of. No, it's awesome. I, uh, yeah. And, and I would recommend all the, the, uh, listeners go out, uh, go to see that piece, Google it. It's phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I know it was a matter of fact, even one of the parts that got me was when, you know, she had the sign and she passed by a couple of people and was, uh, was smiling. You could t- definitely tell she was in to the work. Uh, George Lombard is the first base coach for the LA Dodgers joins us here on the program. You know, the thing about it. So this, you know, you don't really want to deal. I I like to call them. You don't really want to be deal with the alphabet boys, if you will. Right. But there was the CIA, the CIA had a 300 page file on your mother. Yeah, we've, uh, so my brother's a lawyer out here in, in Santa Monica and he was the one I have to thank him for kind of digging and because uh, well, let me check and see because it was very common for everyone involved in in uh, the civil rights movement that had any type of name behind them that, that they had some type of FBI file. When, when talking with uh, Andrew Young, Ambassador Young, um, he said his his house still has wiretaps in it uh, from from these days that he doesn't want to remove just because it's just a reminder of of what they went through and what they lived. But, yeah, there's a 300-and-something-page uh, FBI file on my mom, and, and I guess there's – my brother said there's two more that they would not release. So uh, I'm, I'm, we're doing our best to track these down. But just to hear the language and, uh, and the bravery, you know, I started just Googling a lot of the names uh, in the documents. They're surveillance. They're followed uh, when they're in a park, and you see they're, they're pulled over by a, a group of local white people. And you Google the name, and, and one of these guys is the, the grandmaster of the KKK who's responsible for a couple murders. And here she is right in the mix of this. Um, and just she was, very, she was just fearless and super courageous to do the things that she did. Yeah. 
you know, you're you're integral uh, a part of the players. You work with the players a lot, and you were you were you were a good ball player uh, when you played. What is it like working with the players, and then more specifically, working with a guy like Mookie Betts? Well, I'm so fortunate to to be around the players that that we have here, but. Uh, I've, Mookie's always been super special to me. I worked for the Red Sox for six years, and I was Mookie's first manager. So when Mookie first put that uniform on down in uh, in Fort Myers, Florida, I was the manager uh, that you know he walked into that clubhouse and got to be around him uh, when he first laced him up in, in professional baseball. So you never want to have favorites in this game, but uh, I think any coach that's been around Mookie understands the passion and the love that he has for this game and. And uh, when you see him, he's not a big guy. And, you know, for kids to see a guy like that, I'm like, ooh, I could be that guy. I want to be that guy. And um, you just it's a rare breed when you find a guy that really loves the game the way he does. And he's uh, one of the elite, elite players in the game. Last thought, George, and we appreciate the time. I realize that your focus is on the Dodgers. The playoffs uh, are here with that. What does it mean? I know you have aspirations to uh, to be a major league manager, to be that top guy. Um, you know, what, is it, what does it mean to you to think about where you've come from uh, and to be in this position because your name uh, has been uh, associated with, with being a possible manager sooner than later? Uh, like I said, just same thing. I'm super honored and, and uh, to, to have my name in the mix. I got to interview for the Pirates job. Uh, which is an experience itself. It was about a 10-hour process, but flying flying to Pittsburgh and sitting down and talking with their front office. and uh, So that was the first interview I've had, and it's, it's definitely a dream of mine. Um, uh, you know, I, I would love to have more experience and continue to get better at, at what I'm doing. Um, I have some great people to pick, pick the minds of, uh, of Dave and, and, and Dino Ebel and, and Bob Guerin, the staff that we have, to continue to learn. Uh, but hopefully one day I'll get that opportunity. George Lombard, the first base coach for the L.A. Dodgers, and you can listen to that interview in its entirety on, by logging on to our website, radio-boss.com. Before I get out of here, Doc Rivers and the 76ers agreeing to a five-year deal. Of course, Doc Rivers over his career has had 3-1 leads three separate times has lost. You can go back a couple of years ago when the Clippers had that 3-2 lead over Golden State, ultimately lost that game. Chris Paul was hurt in all fairness in, in midway through Game 6 and all of Game 7. But what do you 76ers fans think? A lot of talent there in Philadelphia. Are you for Doc Rivers, who led Boston to the NBA championship in 2008 as your new head coach? Will that now take you over the top? We certainly will see. I'm out of here. We got a lot of things going on. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, the same for Instagram. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.